One of the absolute privileges I have as being the host of this podcast is being able to chat to and learn from some of the most incredible individuals all over the globe. And I get to bring that information to you. Well, hello there and welcome back into the Direct Selling Accelerator podcast. I'm your host, Sam Hind, and this episode is a little bit different to our usual episodes. In fact, we're going to be using this one to do some flashbacks and share with you some of the magic moments over the last year within the Direct Selling Accelerator podcast from some of our guests and some of the episodes that we know have been most game-changing for many of our listeners. I didn't want you to miss out on these moments, so if you did miss any of these episodes, we're going to do a little flashback flashback. And I'm going to also include the links in here for the full episode for each one of these as well, if you want to go back and have a listen to the entire conversation. So I'm going to introduce each of these to you. I know that you're going to really enjoy this. One of the absolute privileges I have as being the host of this podcast is being able to chat to and learn from some of the most incredible individuals all over the globe. And I get to bring that information to you. So I feel very privileged that I get to sit in the seat that I sit in and, uh, and chat with these amazing people. The first of which is the amazing John Hubbard. Now, John shared during this particular episode why testimonials are a game changer and most importantly, how you can get more of them for your business. Again, this one was very powerful. He got so much positive feedback from people and the strategy that he shares in here as well was a game changer for the many that actually decided to apply it. The next one was a very special friend of ours, the amazing Keith Abraham, who specializes in talking about goals, how to set them, and most importantly, how to go about achieving them. And again, Keith shares some really amazing wisdom in here. I know you're going to really find it valuable. Next up is another very special friend of ours that talks about one of the most powerful things you can ever do on social media, and that is the power of your story with the amazing Lisa McGuinness-Smith. Uh, I Lisa has been uh, one of my mentors for many years and you'll often hear me share stories using the formulas that Lisa teaches. And I really encourage you, listen on into this entire episode if you want to learn a little bit more about how to incorporate more stories in your content as well. Uh, I also share personally some of my really valuable lessons that I've learned in business and life so far. So many fun, crazy stories, but also so many things that I don't want you to do wrong. And I would really love for you to learn from my mistakes. So that was an episode uh, that we've recorded throughout the year that again, was really powerful. We got so much really great feedback from our amazing listeners. And last but not least is actually an episode that for me was uh, a very, very special one to record because one of my all-time favorite books, as most of our members know, is the amazing book by Brian Tracy called Eat That Frog. Now, in this episode, I actually got the opportunity to interview one of the trainers from Brian Tracy, uh, Andrew Phillips, and Andrew shared some incredible gold nuggets throughout this episode. It was a real honor for me to chat with him. And uh, again, this was a game-changing episode for everyone who listened to it. We got so much incredible feedback from people. So I hope you really enjoy these little snips and golden nuggets. And if you hear one in here and you think, oh, I need to hear that whole episode, 
episode, you've got the link in the show notes. So enjoy. Uh, and it has been such an honor and a privilege having you be a part of our Oxano family through our podcast this year. Don't forget, of course, uh, to please share this episode with any friends or family that you think can also benefit from this. Share the love. And of course, make sure you subscribe. But that's it from me. I'm going to hand over now to some of our five favorite moments in 2023 uh, with the podcast, The Direct Selling Accelerator. Enjoy. What, what would you say is probably one of the biggest pushbacks you get from people or fear factors around asking for testimonials? Um, it is that they're imposing. You know, it, mm. I, I'll hear things like, you know, they're paying me, you know, why, uh, why should mm. they have to do work for me kind of thing. Yep. Or um, what happens a lot of the time is they ask and someone says yes and then there's this kind of awkward silence, you know, we go <laughs> wide <laughs> <Now what? laughs> and they're worried about running into this kind of awkward yeah. um, situation. So you do that once and, and you're, you're a little bit hesitant of asking the second time. Mm. But it, it kind of the fundamental problem behind it is that when you're asking someone for a testimonial, in most cases you're putting the onus of responsibility on them to come up with what to say. And that's really what, yes. what the boogeyman behind the, the whole problem is. So if you imagine I ask you for a testimonial, um, Sam, for, for uh, let's say you've done my course, for instance. Now, in your case, you've got a little bit of insight because we know each other a little bit, but for the most part, you don't know who my target audience is. You don't know all the hot buttons that you need mm -hmm. that I would be hoping to hit in a piece of marketing um, material. And so you're going to be thinking, oh, well, what does he want me to say? Gee, I hope I don't say the wrong thing. Yeah. Oh, you know, geez, how long is this going to take kind of thing? So it's putting a whole bunch of – it's just giving you a whole bunch of homework and a whole bunch of work and potentially some social awkwardness <laughs> into, the, yeah. into the bargain. And um, so – it's no no wonder that, uh, you know, suddenly we have radio silence and you don't come back to me. So right at the top of the list is just making it really easy for people to say yes. So I've got a bit of a framework that I use to remember that called the real testimonial request framework that just made, so when I send a request, I go, okay, we've ticked that box, we've ticked that box and we've ticked that box. Yep. And uh, we're much more likely to get a yes if the person is in the right, you know, um, the timing's right for the person to yep. uh, give us the testimonial. Yeah, awesome. So uh, we'll, we're going to get to that in a moment So I definitely want to get some of those tips off you. Um, just before we go into the what to do, I'd mm. love to hear from you what are some of the biggest mistakes you see people making when it comes to gathering testimonials? Yes. The number one mistake is, well, there's, there's a lot, but I think just not asking, putting, aside yeah. the, <laughs> putting aside the production value and, and the um, – and the, the rambly long answers and all, all of that kind of uh, the technical yeah. um, mishaps, uh, it, it tends to be that the, it, it doesn't really say anything to the, to the prospect, the mm. person watching it. Um, so often people will ask people to, you know, to interview each to talk about their product and then you know, I've had people, you know, getting testimonials on their onboarding process and all of this kind of stuff. And if you think of 
someone coming into your world and often we're using and what we're talking about here is little short testimonials there's longer kind of case studies and stuff that we'd use in other ways but for a short little testimonial typically they're at what we would call the top of the funnel so where people are coming into your world for the first time so they're very start of the customer experience with you so at that stage of the customer journey they don't really know you very well yet and they're probably looking at you and a few other people at the same time and weighing up which way they want to go so at that stage they're not going to give you much time. So we need, it needs to be short, the testimonial. So it can't be banging on about you or all the intricacies of your um, widget or it really needs to speak to them and enter in the conversation that's going on in their mind. So if you, if you come up, if I hear a testimonial and it speaks to a problem that I have and that I'm seeking to solve by this service, I'm instantly interested. If I, if I click to watch a video and I can see it's 12 minutes long and there's no way I'm going to watch that. So that's the number one mistake I see, just not making it relevant mm. um, and in the way that you would with any other piece of marketing because they're not really any different from a video sales letter or a webinar. They really need to tick all of those same boxes of, you know, appealing to a, a single target market, you know, having the, that psychographic information right around, you know, what's our prospects' fears and their yeah. pains and their desires needs to do all those jobs, um, but arguably it does those jobs even better than the other tools we use, like a sales letter or a a video sales letter, because it's coming out of the customer's mouth. So it's far more um, believable than you just saying, hey, take my word for it. Well, most people accept that they need them and and you don't really need to do too much. Like I could give you a list of stats that will blow your mind. You know, Mm. number one um, B2B content marketing method by LinkedIn, you know, so there's a whole, there's a whole length of stats as long as your arm, but most people don't need that. They accept that they're, they're needed and they're effective. The hurdle comes that they're just a hassle and how do you reach out without, you know, imposing on your client. So the framework that I use and or or, or the, the checklist that I use when I'm reaching out is what I call the real testimonial request framework. And it's just R-E-A-L. And the first letter there that I make sure I've got in every single request is I put the client relationship first. So I'm not putting everything on the line for one testimonial. Um, So for instance, I might say something like, um, you know, I'm sure you're super busy right now, um, but no big deal either way. But if you're open to the idea, I'd really appreciate it. If my timing isn't good, simply reply with next time in the subject line and please, no further explanation is necessary. So yeah. that's the very first thing that I add into any testimonial request. And it just takes the heat out of the exchange. So they can just easily reply. They don't have to give you a, a lame excuse that then going to cheapen the relationship, you know, next yeah. time you see them. Yeah. And the interesting thing it does is it frees people up to send more testimonial requests because they don't feel like they're imposing on their client. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably the biggest benefit of having it in in the first place is just that psychological benefit of going, okay, I can send these out because it's not going to impose on my client. If they don't want to, yep. they can just reply with next time. Yep. So good. Now, there is uh, obviously some ways, there are, I should say, grammatically correct, Sam, goodness, there are some ways that you can help people with uh, with this whole process and, of course, the getting of the testimonial itself. We'll talk about that in a moment. 
I just wanted to ask you a little bit about, um, you know, once people get the testimonials, what are some of the ways in which they can use them? And I'm thinking about our listeners specifically here because I'm sure some of them are going, okay, great. Well, you know, I work for, you know, I've got a direct selling business. I sell, you know, products or, you know, I recruit people into the business opportunity. Um, isn't that something that the company should be doing on my behalf? Now, mm. I'm just going to say that's not a real question because we all know that the answer to that is no. You you are responsible for growing your own personal business and you are what you're selling. But my question though, John, is around how they can use that testimonial once they get it. What are some clever ways or you know strategic ways that that testimonial can be utilised? Yeah, so many ways. And I find that they are really underutilized, that people mm. literally just get the, the video testimonial and, you know, put it on a, a for instance, a landing page and, and forget about it. But yeah. the, the beauty of capturing video is it can be repurposed into so many formats. So, mm. for instance, I was talking to a marketing agency recently and they sent me a case study deck, which was all of these case studies in one PDF, as an example, mm. we would we create um, uh, like, for instance, an article uh, which goes on like, it's a, like a magazine article with a very nice headshot, and then yep. the the kind of before working with such and such, after working with such and such, the headlines up the top, and then a, a nice description of the transformation that took place. Um, if you're, I guess, the rule of thumb is anywhere around where you're closing the sale, particularly online using proof is going to be very advantageous to you. So, for instance, even if you're doing in-person sales calls, mm. if you've got someone booking a call, you know, through Calendly or um, another method, the thank you page is where you can start showing social proof. And then yep. if there's a, a, a time gap before the call takes place, there can be emails that go out that are also showing social proof. And they don't always have to be the video. They can be a little story about, hey, Sam, I was actually – I thought of you because I was working with a company like yours last month and then having the result and just talking about the result that you got. Yeah. So it's just repurposing that information in a, in a different way. And obviously presentation. So if there's any type of presentation that they're doing, um, again, don't have to use them as video. We can just use, we can talk about them as a customer story and just yeah. use the, the, the facts from the story and, and present yeah. it in any, any medium that we like. What are some of the goals you can help people with to break down when it comes to social media? So what goals would you set in the social media space? Because we often look at the end goal. We look at the, you know, I want mm. the million dollar business or I want 100,000 followers. How would you suggest that people break their goals down to make them achievable and measurable so that they feel less overwhelming? Because I think overwhelm is, is the greatest challenge in this space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good question. Um, great question. So one of the things that I talk about is um, this gold driver formula, blueprint. And so um, if I was going to walk you through that process, and I think we have some time to do that, Sam, if I can walk you through the process, where we have to start first is how you want to feel. So there are 135 different emotions you can experience as an adult. Of those, 64 are positive. Of those, 64, they break down into eight what I call gold drivers. These are things that will drive us um, to do the uncomfortable, the inconvenient, and the unknown. And yep. so of those eight drivers, let me just reel them off. People want to feel successful. People want to feel purposeful. People want to feel inspired. People want to feel happy. People want to feel in control. People want to feel respected. People want to feel confident, and people want to feel relaxed. So the first thing I'd say is how do you want to feel about your social media? And so let's just say people say, oh, I want to feel 
um, inspired by my social media. I want to be able to, to read it and it inspires me and it makes me to be better, to do more, to have more, to achieve more, to give more as part of that process. Go, great. Okay. So, so inspired is our goal driver. And the second thing I say is, okay, in the next 12 months, what's the number one goal you want to achieve in your social media, uh, in the area of social media to feel inspired? And you think, okay, well, well, you know, if I could create a following of a thousand um, perfect clients, so not just that, you know, anybody can buy a list, anybody can go and engage someone to, you know, fill up their, you know, I've got a thousand followers or whatever it might be. But I'd rather, you know, I, I, if you said to me, what would you rather? Would you rather have a hundred thousand followers or would you la- rather? You know, a thousand raving fans. Oh, give me a thousand fans because Absolutely. those thousand fans will buy, rebuy, repurchase, uh, reshare, et cetera, et cetera. These ones here, you know, doing nothing. Geez, it looks good. Uh, you know, it looks good on, on your website. You know, I've got a hundred thousand people, but, but you don't make any money yet. Um, and you don't have, you don't have a significant impact because they're not sharing, liking, et cetera. So then you go, okay. So I want a thousand of the perfect that would inspire me. I said, great, okay. When do you want to achieve that by? Well, well, it's a twelve month goal. I want to achieve it by you know, um, you know, April, you know, twenty twenty two. Great, okay. So, so what you know, what day in April? Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, well, first of April, second of April. Okay, great. You got to speak. What by the way? What day of the week is? That? Oh, I don't know. I have to look at a calendar. You know, so you get your calendar. Out. Oh, I want you to be that specific because the 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 uh, Olympic, you know, um, archer doesn't, you know, point the arrow at the target, aim at the bullseye. So let's be specific from day one. The next thing I'd say is, okay, what type of amplified attitude do you need to have to be able to achieve that goal? You know, so we go back to the attitude we're talking about. Well, you know, I need to be tenacious. Oh, I need to just turn up and do it and do it and do it and not get this heart and went, oh, nobody's liking this post or nobody's sharing it or, Love you know, it. I'm yeah. not, I'm, you know, I haven't met my target or having, you know, having 10 people join me, you know, this week or, or the campaign I just launched, you know, hasn't, you know, generated the income, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So tenacious is the, ampl- you know, can be the amplified attitude. So I'll pick a, an attitude. Then what I do is I go, okay, so now we're down to, well, tell me five reasons why you want a thousand perfect, of a, you know, a perfect client to join you on social media. So tell me five reasons why. Uh, you know, why do you really want? Well, I know that with a thousand, I can earn an income off that. With a thousand, I can, I can have, it's a great platform to go to, you know, 5,000, right, yeah. okay, because, you know, you know this, Sam, you know, it's like the hardest is getting to the first 1,000, you know, That's after right. that. It's like, momentum you know, after that. There's momentum. You know? Yeah. So you come up with five reasons why that is so important to you because, you know, when the why becomes clear, the how becomes easy. And so then after that, what I then do is I then go, okay, so hand on heart, no BS, Tell me the two things you need to stop doing in your life to make this goal come true. And what are the two things you need to start doing in your life to make this goal come true? 
you know, because what happens is people go, well, I need to stop watching TV or Netflix or I need to stop procrastinating or I need to, I need to start liking other people. I need to start researching. I need to start, you know, following Sam's process. You know, maybe I need to engage Sam in what's Sam being my coach and mentor to help me on that journey. So, so all of a sudden, okay, so now we've done that. So then what I say to people is I go, okay, so now you've done that. Tell me what is your first milestone. So if it's a 12-month goal, what do you need to accomplish in the next 30 days? Tell me the goal you need to accomplish in the next 30 days. I need to re- I need to do some my research. I need to what's I need to run a I need to run and test a couple of uh, campaigns, blah, 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 blah. Great. So what's your goal in the next 90 days? And then what's your goal for the next six months? Because you've got to have these milestones that you work towards. And then what I say to people is, okay, now that we have a, a 30-day milestone, a 90-day six-month milestone, what is your plan of action you need to work on in the next 30 days? Break that down into bite-sized, easy, to yeah. consumable pieces. Listening to a podcast this morning with Tim Ferriss and uh, Jerry Seinfeld, and he, you know, he writes every day. He said, as pain, he said, he said, I sit down for an hour with the intention of writing content, mm-hmm. but not with the intention of doing anything else but that. Right. So if nothing comes to me, I still sit there for an hour. I love it. That's dedication. <laughs> sure is. But, but, you know, he has piles and piles of yellow Phil's caps pads over his, you know, 30-year career as a comedian. Yeah. And, of course, that's where you become master. Absolutely. Now, the final piece of the puzzle is what are your daily rituals? Because you then go on that social media and you sort of go, okay, so I want a thousand perfect profile. I want to achieve it in this goal. I want to feel this way. I, I, I'm doing it for these reasons why I'm this amplified attitude. And then you say, what do I need to do five out of seven days a week Six out of seven days a week, seven out of seven. What's my, what are the two, one or two daily, not negotiable rituals, routines, habits to make this work? I love it. And, and it could be posting. It could be liking X amount of people. It could be going out and connecting with other people. It could be yep. starting a conversation. I've got a mate of mine who on LinkedIn has been, um, he's got 37 active conversations going on at the moment with his, uh, with his ideal client. And already he has from one January, uh, from one, uh, January to now has already got $2 million of, uh, advanced wow. books. Wow, that's amazing, isn't it? Just from connecting and relationship building. And starting a conversation and continuing that conversation, but more importantly as well, Sam, getting in this corridor of clarity. Yeah. Not the chasm of confusion, which social media can be so much Absolutely it can be. One of the things that we were um, chatting about earlier was um, the – so. Something that um, Lisa does, which I think is absolutely fantastic, is that she helps people to tell their story. Um, now, I did, uh, both my husband, Greg, and I both did an amazing course with you. Uh, must have been early last year. Maybe it was during COVID when we were all stuck at home and all we had to do was learn. So we jumped on in and did some further learning with you. And the really interesting thing at that time was that I um, had thought that my story, because it didn't feel as in, as as game-changing and special as other people's stories, I thought my story didn't matter. 
Now, we're going to talk a bit about storytelling today, but the question I want to ask you is, what would you say to somebody who, like me at that time, feels that, yeah, my story is really not that special, my story is not that important? I would say that everyone's story matters. And simply because every person matters, our journey matters, and most people relate to the most mundane things in our life. You don't need a spectacular story to tell your story. You actually need a story that is something that involves things that other people have also struggled with or also um, driven for. Is that a good? Is that a word? Striven for. Let's. We'll make it. It's a new word. <laughs> and that we've got to find ways to just be relatable because this is more the point of storytelling yeah. is that what do we want? We want to connect and relate to the people that we want more of in our world. And that is, I'm so glad that you said that because you showed me last year how to better tell my story in a way that was understandable and, and easily communicatable there. Did I make a new word yep. up to Yep, good. Um, to everybody else out there. And what was really interesting was um, the first time I told the story um, on a webinar, I was so uncomfortable. I was so super because I was talking about myself and I didn't oh. want to do that. I wanted to talk about them. I wanted to talk about what I was there to show them. But I thought, nope, <laughs> I'm going to do what Lisa's taught me to do and I'm going to tell my story first. What was really interesting was not only did everybody listen, no one left, everyone stuck around, but afterwards I had that many people reach out to me and tell me that through my story they had felt like I had given them permission to also share their story, um, but they also felt like they related better to me. And that uh, off the back of that webinar, we actually got more members into our courses than we'd ever got before. So it was really interesting, the difference. The only difference was I stopped for a little moment and allowed them to connect with who we are and what we do um, and my background, which, you know, it's it's funny, um, the littlest things that you, you, you think, no one's going to be interested in that, but you'd be massively surprised. Yes. Isn't that interesting that we downplay our story and we enlarge or upplay our expertise yes but people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care and therefore we're coming back to that same thing that mm -hmm. only do we find out about one another when we're willing to share a bit of our lives and so our stories truly are just being willing to say oh you know i've experienced this and this is what mm -hmm. it looked like yep now, we're going to be talking some storytelling tips in a moment, but just before we do, Lisa, I kind of want to dangle a little carrot here and tell people about something very exciting that is happening because uh, we're going to be doing something a bit extra with you on the 24th of July, so not very far away now. Do you want to tell everybody or, or give a, a little hint into what we're going to be doing? Well, I would love to say that, Sam... Keith and I, we're actually doing like a masterclass so that we can give you an hour of nitty-gritty, really potent stuff that you can put into action straight away. And you've probably learnt by now, all the listeners, that Sam likes to get right to the point. Yeah. And I do too, and so do Keith. So the three of us, Keith, Abraham and Sam and myself, we're going to do this masterclass just for you. And I'm thinking so that people would know that when I give one hour of intensity, 
I just love to just give people all those practical steps they can do immediately and apply them so they can get started. So I'm hoping that you're all going to come along and become great storytellers. Awesome. I love it so much. So Lisa's going to be doing an hour, whole hour on teaching you guys. Anyone that wants to register, we'll put the link in the podcast show notes. Anyone that wants to register can learn all the tips and the strategies on how to tell your story. Now, that's where I kind of want to go next because people assume when we talk about story that we're talking about their life story. And that's not really what we're talking about here, is it? No, no, because your life story would take too long. (laughs) <laughs> it's taken too many years to live it to be able to tell the whole thing. And most people, they are ready for small snippets. Like their attention span isn't that great. So no. we've got to learn to tell our story in little snippets. And then you just say a little bit because people will let you know really fast if they're interested. They will ask you a question and then you'll have permission to tell more. Love it. So how and where can bits of our story be used? What, what, how do you strategically suggest that people utilise their story? All right. Well, I mean, I certainly know that if you're going to be on social media, people want to know who you are. Um, they will learn what you do, but they actually are more interested in who you are first. Mm-hmm. And because I am an encourager, you know, I love to give people the courage to take the next step that thing that's right in front of them, what is the opportunity right now? It might be a relationship, it might be a business building opportunity, it might be your health challenge, but it's giving people courage. Yes. So what I tend to do is tell little stories of where I've had to take a step into the unknown and what the result of that has been. And they can be tiny little steps, you know, like asking a guy if he'd like to have a cup of coffee with you when you're a single. Would you like to have a cup of coffee? Would you like to, would you, do you, all you need to say is, do you like cake? <laughs> and, and, and you can tell, well, I like coffee. How about we have a coffee and cake? <laughs> so, so we're going to include some pickup lines in today's podcast episode. <laughs> well, look, I don't call it picking up. I call it making connections because <laughs> singles need to build a bigger circle of connection. And yes. I'm going to say, let me just apply this to business people. We also need to big, build a bigger circle of influence and that we do that by being able to share our story so that other people relate and then they share your story again into their circles. I actually kind of like that, all right, not pickup line, but let's call it a pickup line for the the sake of where I'm going with this. I like that for, you know, if you're trying to get a, a new lead or if you're trying to build a new connection with a customer, I still think that one's perfect. Do you like cake? Well, I like coffee. Great. Let's organize a, a, a time to catch up. Perfect. Yes. Fantastic. I love that. And no, and notice again, there's a story in that, isn't it? You could tell a story if you wanted to about, I'll tell you one, because I met this woman and I really wanted to get to know her better. And I asked her, do you like cake? Well, then she told me that she actually produces magazines with cake, magnificent cake. (laughs) And I said, I'm coming to your place to taste your cake. (laughs) And we laughed and laughed and we've now built a friendship simply over the fact that I just asked a question and we found we had a common interest. So anyone else out there like cake? (laughs) I love that. And can I just point out, guys, that was the simplicity of sharing a story because all you did was share a, a point of knowledge, uh, a little piece of information by turning it into, and it was a real story, but that's what we're talking about with storytelling, guys, is using your story to share important things and 
And that can be done in any element of your business as well. Yeah. And maybe let's take take um, the wording and change it. And so we're going to take a moment in your life and just share a moment because yeah. that makes it nice and easy. You're not yeah. sharing a story. You're just sharing an event, something that yeah. happened and it was just maybe a very small moment, but it was memorable. And you know that most of the family stories that have gone on for forever, your legacy stories have come out from people just telling a moment. You've heard me say this before. I just want to dive in for a little bit on this though, is be yourself. Here's where I'm going with this. I speak about this often when it comes to social media and the importance of being you. Because here's the thing, people are not buying your product. They're not buying your business. You've heard me say it. I'm repeating myself again, but they're buying you. They're connecting with you. They don't really care about what you sell. They care about why you sell it. They care about why it matters to you and what how you show up. Your ideal audience is sitting there waiting for you. But I want to expand on that for a moment. And I want to remind you of this. Sometimes we look outside of ourselves and I'm going to put my hand up and say, I am one of the worst for doing this. We look at all of the things that we could be, should be, want to be, and are not. But I want to remind you of something that someone told me the other day, and that's this. You are exactly who you need to be right now and you are exactly where you should be right now. There's nothing missing. You are who you need to be and where you need to be in this moment. There's going to be change in your life. There's going to be growth. You're going to morph into something else. You're going to change absolutely. But in this moment, at this time, who you are is perfect. And I just want to remind you of that because it's very easy for us to compare ourselves to others out there, particularly on social media. We watch what other people are doing. And do you know what? I do it too. We all do it. We watch other people and we think, I need to be more like that. I need to change who I am. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. People don't want to hear from me. They don't want to see me. Maybe you've used the words that I reckon I've caught myself saying multiple times over the years. I feel like an imposter. You're not. You are the only person qualified to be you. And in this very moment in time, you're exactly who you need to be. So I just want to give you that little bit of encouragement. I don't know who's listening to this today, but whoever you are, whatever you are doing, wherever you are in this very moment in time, do not think that you need to be anything different from who you are. Be yourself unashamedly, be you and know that you are exactly who you need to be in this very moment in time. Listening is an art form that literally can disarm any person or any situation when done right. It reminded me of something very important. It's not the words we say, it's actually the words we don't say that have the greatest impact. Now, I'm a talker for a living. It's what I do every day. So, listening for me is definitely something that I have to put a lot more focus into probably than the average person. But I just want to encourage you because as I have spent time playing in this space and learning in this space, I can tell you that the way that my relationships happen, the way that business works, even the way that my business growth happens, and it'll be the same for you, is very different when I practice deep listening. So, I just want to throw that one out there. I think that's a really important thing to remember. Enjoy the ups, prepare for the downs, but notice the middle. Now, here's something I observed about my own behavior last year and probably for years, but last year in particular, is that I noticed that the highs and the lows in life and in business were really prominent. I remembered the highs. I remembered the lows. I celebrated the highs and I got frustrated and stressed about the lows. But I picked up one of my old, as a kid, I was one of those journalers. I loved to write in my journal, my diary every single night. 
And I found one of these diaries recently and I was flicking through it with my daughter when I realized something. When you journal, you capture the middle and the middle is the part that you forget, but the middle is the part where the beauty happens. Reading through my journal, I was blown away at some of the things in my life that had happened, some of the things that I got up to that I had completely forgotten about because they got eclipsed by the ups and downs, the highs and the lows. When we have those you know, great highs, it feels like nothing can tear you down. And then suddenly you have this deep low and you feel like nothing will ever get you out of it again. You guys know what I'm talking about. We've all been there, right? But what I've noticed is that there is so much beauty in the part that we don't notice in the very middle. And as I've got older, I've spent less time focusing on that middle and so much more time focusing on trying to get back to the highs all the time. That's not how life works. Life is full of ups and downs, highs and lows, but also lots and lots of middle. So what I started doing this year um, for a little bit of fun was I decided to journal again. And do you know what? I noticed how in every single day there is so much beauty that I completely miss if I don't stop and think about it, if I don't have a little bit of gratitude for it. Do you know what what I'm talking about? With the kids, you know, they say the simplest little thing. There might be a conversation you have with somebody and, and in that moment you just feel this little, oh, wow, I really needed to hear that. But tomorrow you completely forget it because it gets eclipsed by something bigger in some way, shape or form. It might be as simple as you go for this walk and, you know, you notice the beauty of a flower or, you know, you take your shoes off and the feeling of the grass under your feet. These for me are the moments that really make life powerful and beautiful. And so I really want to encourage you to notice the middle, however you need to do that. And and that's, you know, different people do it in different ways. Some people draw, some people um, have a really great at practicing you know, having uh, mindfulness, that's the word I'm looking for. They're really good at practicing mindfulness. I love to write and it's where my creativity comes out. I just don't make much time for it because I get so busy. So I've been trying to take the time out to do that. And the beauty that I'm finding in the middle is just is just amazing. And I just want to really encourage you in that to notice the middle bits as well. What do you think um, is, you know, the, the most important thing that we need in order to be successful at being salespeople? One word, goals. Two words, clarity. Uh, mm. We need clarity around those goals. You, you went through your journey. I've done the same kind of journey. Uh, and, and, and frankly, I saw the same kind of ads and did the same thing. Uh, why, <laughs> did we, why did we do it? Uh, because we had a bit bigger picture in mind. We, we wanted to achieve something. It might have been that we wanted to take a flight to India, or, or which was my case. Uh, and, and, you know, we needed money. We needed to achieve something. So um, for any of us that are listening, um, you know, there's, there's a couple of secrets to success that they're not really secrets at all, ultimately. But having goals that are emotionalized that really mean something to you in your heart uh, uh, are, are essential. So most people that are involved in sales don't take the time to think about what what are their goals? What are their five-year or 10-year goals? Uh, and really vision forward. 
we, we kind of do, we kind of don't, we get distracted, but we actually need a written plan. Uh, and as you'll know from uh, Eat That Frog, only 3% of people have a written plan. Yeah. So for anybody that's listening here to jump into the top 3%, it's time to write out a great plan. Um, but but at the very heart of your question is, is, the, is the very need to think about the reasons that you are going to pick up the phone. It's not about the other person. Obviously, you want to give great customer service. You've got a product that you enjoy being a part of, uh, but you really need to, especially on the cold, wintry days uh, where, where you may not want to get out of bed, you've got to remember, why am I doing this? What's my why? Mm. Uh, and really, really work that through. Think about your why goals, your how goals, and then your what goals as is to what you're going to achieve ultimately. So uh, yeah. that'll give you the motivation if they're really emotionalized. And lastly, Brian talks about, you, you know, success is about having reasons or flames in the furnace. The hotter the, mm. the more reasons, the hotter the flames, uh, the better the furnace will burn. So um, yeah. that's, that's the answers. Yeah, I love that. So good. And, uh, you know, one of the things that we talked about as well is that, um, you know, where, where your head's at. Um, I want to I want to chat a little bit now about Eat That Frog because look and and I don't want to overlook the fact that Brian Tracy has written many best selling books so uh, you know I'd I'd like to ask you a little bit about those in a moment but let's talk about the the elephant in the room which is the frog and can mm. you um, tell everybody a little bit about you've explained you know about where the the frog came from you know Mark Twain I love that story I didn't know that I think that's amazing to to hear a bit of that backstory. Um, but, you know, people that have read this book, you'll often hear them using the phrase because it almost becomes part of their verbiage. Oh, oh yeah. To, I'm gonna, I've got to eat a frog. I've got a frog to eat. It's, you know, I even said to Greg this morning, I've, I've got to eat my frog today. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. one of my favourite quotes, I've actually got it sitting up on the wall here. I've got both of them on Post-its. The first rule of eating the frog is this. I'm actually going to read this out of the book because it's too far away now for me to read it off the wall. If you have to eat um, two frogs, eat the ugliest one first. And the second rule of frog eating is this. If you have to eat a, a live frog at all, it doesn't pay to sit and look at it for very long. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> well, that's so cool, good. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, so good. So tell us a bit about the book for those that don't know what it is or those that need a little refresher. Yeah, look, it's, it's, it's uh, as you've sort of outlined already, it, it's, a, it's a terrific book. It's got 21, you know, essential steps to ensure that you uh, – don't fall into procrastination. Don't fall into your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. um, Ralph Waldo Emerson was the guy that said, the comfort zone is the hobgoblin of little minds. <laughs> good. Horrible, good horrible thing to hear, but so yeah. true. And, you know, even Brian talks about the fact that, you know, hey, it's kind of natural to be in your comfort zone. Why would you want to leave your comfort zone? It's warm in there. Uh, mm. It's cosy. Mm. Uh, but we really don't achieve anything unless we stretch outside that comfort zone. And yeah. Eat That Frog is about doing that. It's not just about uh, setting tasks and achieving tasks through a day. It's about setting an overall holistic plan. Yeah. Uh, then simplifying and eliminating noise, uh, getting clarity, which then, you know, reduces stress. Um, there's a theory called the locus theory of control. And the more in control you are, the less stress you have. So it's better to have a simple plan. And if that frog sort of aims and targets itself to achieve those outcomes, mm -hmm. um, and Brian has written 85 books to date. Um, wow. 
yeah, pre-COVID, he was writing four books a year. Oh, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> I would pick him up off an aeroplane, and I knew that he was sitting at the pointy end, and I'd be waiting, you know, like a dutiful soldier, uh, you know, to pick him up, and he'd be the last person off the plane yeah. because he's constantly scribbling notes yep. and writing. And, and I think what, you know, anybody can write a book. Well, that's not quite true. I'll say that. Most people can't because they don't have the discipline to finish it. But yeah. um, or read, 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 I guess, is is one thing. But what Brian's genius is, is about is collating lots of information and bringing it together in pretty simple, clear writing that's easy to understand and implement. But the, the thing that I like about him, and I know you do too, is that, you know, there's always one task that we're going to do immediately. Mm. And you need to sort of get a little confidence up every time you complete those tasks. The first call of the day is always the hardest call. The 10th the call is easy. And if we just understand, you know, again, why we're doing something, uh, we'll go through the pain to achieve that goal. And yeah. the confidence that you get from achieving a goal allows you to get, have the energy to do it again and again. I just want to talk about mindset. So can you tell yeah. us how mindset relates um, to, and we all know it relates to the sale, but can you give us a few little pointers and tips to help people yeah. that are thinking, how can I improve my mindset to help me do better? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm going to start with a quick story and then and that story will evolve into the, into the answers there. There was a guy um, back in the 1900s called Andrew Carnegie, uh, and Andrew Carnegie was the richest guy on the planet at the time, and he had more money than Warren Buffett and Bill Gates put together. When he got a little bit older, he commissioned a study of some 3,000 businesses and, 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 and 3,000 executives, and he said, listen, I want you to tell me what all the attributes of success are. And uh, Napoleon Hill was engaged in this study and a few other people we might know, and um, they came back with 65, 66 attributes of success. Mm-hmm. In any endeavor, as a as a salesperson, as a parent, it didn't matter. Uh, and Andrew Carnegie said, "Go away and come back with three. Mm-hmm. And so they went away and they sliced it down to three essential attributes for success. And knowledge is one. You need to be knowledgeable in the uh, marketplace that you're in. To be in the top ten percent, you need to have a lot of knowledge. You need to have skills. Skills are the application of knowledge. And uh, the final ingredient was attitude. You need to have a great attitude. And that's, you know, 85% of success. Skills are 75 and knowledge is 7.5% of success. So if we understand that our, the way that we think is the barometer of success, to be successful around mindset, one needs to be able to control the way one thinks. So that can be with clarity. If you can control the words or the thoughts that are going into your head, see the pattern is we have thoughts that generate emotions, that generate words, that generate actions. Mm-hmm. So that's the pro- that's the correct pathway. You know, thoughts, emotions, same kind of thing. Words that come out of our mouth and then actions. It's going to be a great day. I'm really excited about today. Uh, terrific. Yeah, it's a great day. Uh, and all of a sudden, my actions are positive and I, I, I'm committing to something. That's the right pathway. And in training, what we often see, and particularly in sales, is we see the reverse happening. We see uh, actions leading to words 
leading to thoughts. And so we have sloping shoulders because we're not doing well. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have negative language because of inflation or I've knocked on 45 doors and you know, I can't take it anymore. Uh, and then our our thoughts are negative and the spiral begins that way. So mindset and the way that we think, the ability to control our thoughts, positive and negative. We can't stop negative thoughts, but we can deal with them and just sort of flick them off our shoulder if we, if we can. Uh, that's the best pathway to getting the right kind of emotions. Um, As Brian talks about and others have talked about over the centuries, you know, there's five key negative emotions that we've got to try to avoid. And it's not easy. I think about them all the time. Uh, I write my goals out every day uh, just to get calibrated so that I'm not, you know, getting involved in these negative thoughts. And we all have ups and downs. So so, so we, we do and we can and we will. But you've got to be able to control them. And, you know, the big the big negatives are, you know, um, fear, blame, greed, jealousy, envy, judgment, these sorts of things. Um, mm-hmm. If we can sort of eliminate and, and stop sort of engaging in those sort of thought patterns and yeah. really go positive as best as we can for as long as we can, we'll get the uh, right words, the right emotions, and then the right activities, the right actions. Uh, that, so, so that's a bit of a long-winded answer, but that's mm-hmm. legitimate studies that have that have demonstrated that and there's been people through you know, from Maxwell Maltz to, to Brian Tracy that have articulated this, yeah. um, this process. If you love this video and you would love more help to improve your direct selling business on social media, then click on the link to join our Facebook group. I look forward to seeing you in there.